Come and visit the photography show at the Birmingham NEC between the 14th and 17th of March. With over 300 brands exhibiting their products and services, new product launches and hands-on demos with over 270 talks and classes over the four days and over 30,000 like-minded photo and video attendees to meet and connect with, you have everything you need to capture a fresh perspective and improve your skills, whether you're an absolute beginner or a seasoned professional. Come and get inspired at the Photography Show. Tickets available from photographyshow.com and you can use code CLAYDEWTPS20, that's C-L-A-Y-D-E-W-T-P-S-20, to get 20% off advanced standard single day tickets only. See terms and conditions on the show notes. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Peter Morgan and you're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to a new episode of He Shoots, He Draws with me, Glyn Dewis, and my buddy, who actually isn't here this time, Dave Clayton. Uh, I've dived into the hot seat because there was a guy I wanted to interview to get some information out to you folks. It's a friend of mine called Peter Morgan. You'll know that from the uh, from the intro. But Pete is, although he's a wedding photographer, he's also a really, really knowledgeable IT tech kind of guy because uh, years ago, Pete used to own an IT company and he specialised in backups and uh, kind of like system recovery kind of stuff. And if you're a photographer, if you're a designer, or if you just use computers, backing up is a massively important part of the process and what you need to do because if you lose your stuff, it is the worst feeling out. So I kind of grabbed Peter for a a quick sort of 45-minute kind of chat to talk about backing up because it is a potential minefield. There's so many different systems, so many different brands. There's talking about speeds and raids and NAS and all this kind of stuff. So I asked Peter if he could kind of simplify it, give us an idea of what backing up is and what would be an ideal kind of workflow and system setup. And he does it in such a way that really explains it in a real simplistic kind of term. And I think that's what we need these days. Things can be made to sound really difficult when it really doesn't need to be. And it doesn't need to be, especially when you've got somebody who knows their stuff. Um, so I'm not going to kind of waste much time on this. So I'm going to get Pete just to dive straight in, uh, introduce it in the normal way, and just kind of let you listen to the chat we had. So uh, let's just go with Peter. Who are you? My name is Peter Morgan. Uh, I'm a photographer, drone pilot, uh, IT consultant, and a self-confessed gadget geek. <laughs> you're speaking my language now already. <laughs> you know, you're the first one who's come on here and actually said, although we did have a guy, Ian from London, who was a drone pilot, yep. he never said, I'm a drone pilot. So I like that you threw that in. But you've actually done your drone stuff. You do stuff with drones. Don't yeah, you? yeah. I only started really doing the stuff with the drones uh, because when I was, uh, you know, when we're doing wedding photography, you always get a point within the group shots where you'll find all the little people, aunts and uncles, hiding in the back. And it always used to frustrate me that I could never get everybody in the shot. So with the drone now, you can get a great shot of everybody. And the venues yeah. seem to like it as well because it, uh, it it means that you get to see the whole of the venue as well. 
That's very brave, though, bringing a drone to a wedding, because I've seen some of those videos where it all goes yeah. wrong. Do you know, yeah. I've seen videos where wives have been taken out by a drone going straight to her. I have to say, that's never happened to me yet. Um, I've had a dog try to chase my drone uh, at a wedding, but um, other than that, uh, we're, we're pretty okay. We, cool. we use a couple of people to kind of uh, keep eyes on it at all times, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. All right, well, listen, obviously, we've got a good audience, right? We've got a nice audience all over the world, but there's going to be some people out there that go, where's that Where's that accent from? I can't place it. So where are you from, Peter? Just so people know. I mean, I know, but yeah. so people out there know. So I'm, I'm a fully-fledged Welsh boy. I'm, <laughs> uh, I was born in Swansea, uh, but I live, uh, I live in Cardiff now, in Penarth in Cardiff. So uh, it, it, it really nice uh, part of Wales. Although looking out the window at the moment, it's it's absolutely pouring the rain. So yeah. uh, it's yeah, it's not particularly nice now. But uh, yeah. but I live right near the beach, so it's great. So very very nice. And you're and you're one of the what I would call my Welsh family because you're kind of like you know we're all friends together. There's you, yeah. there's me, there's Anthony, there's Steve, there's Ian, there's Gez. We're all kind of folks who kind of know each other, but. I kind of know, I know you. I kind of trying to remember, how did I get to know you? So I remember I now, remember. when we first oh, met, um, it was at one of the Guild of Photographers Awards. or oh, yeah. uh, um, It was one of their training sessions, actually. Uh, it was about five, five years ago, I would say four or five years ago now. I think right. I met you there. You were doing some training for them. And I came along and I thought, wow, this... This guy knows what he's doing. This is oh, away with you. Smoke yeah. and mirrors, mate. It's all smoke and mirrors. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so it's been that long. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Well, I, mean, I I know you. Obviously, I know you're a photographer and the mm. kind of work that you do there. And I'd like us to talk about that at some point. But the, the main reason I wanted to get you on, as you know, is because you are, as you said, a self-confessed geek. But that's, <laughs> I think most people in this industry could say that really yeah. but you really are a tech guy you know your mm. stuff when it comes to tech and i remember you've always kind of said to me when i was certainly before when i was using the apple stuff that you kind of said that if ever you need any help with this that and the other just give me a shout because you you mm. know a lot about that kind of uh, world i've then gone to pc i'm coming back to mac so now i'm thinking great i know peter any issues i can come back to peter but one of the things i wanted to speak to you about was backing up because it's one of those things that um it's kind of people and i've fallen foul for this before it'll never happen to me that kind of attitude of it'll never happen to me when you've kind of lose stuff but it did happen to me quite a while back now but i'll tell you what i'll never let that happen again through my own fault so i want to kind of pick your brains to say what would you say as somebody who's really in that world is all about the backing up what would you say is the best backing up so so uh so in my opinion um based on my experience uh when you when we talk about backups you have to include your workflow in that mm -hmm. when it comes to backups there's no one size fits all because different photographers have different workflows so uh what works for a travel photographer might not work for a wedding photographer uh this is why when we start looking at backups you have to consider your workflow first of all. I'm going to give you an example of what I mean now. So for me as a wedding photographer, uh, backing up starts with on the day of the wedding, essentially. Uh, the cameras that I use have two card slots in them. And whilst cards failure is less likely these days, it has happened to me in the yeah, past. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as any photographer 
you know, who's kind of been doing it a while knows, there is a real concern with that. So the workflow might be two cards in the cameras, first of all. So one card is uh, 128 gig, the others would be a 64 gig. The SD card tends, in mine tends to be the smaller one, and I'll have one spare one on me at any one time. As I'm going throughout the day, I'll hit the point where the 64 gig will run out, and I'll put the other 64 in. When we're waiting for um, the bride and groom to uh, um, have their dinner, we sat down and I use what's called a, a, um, a BOSS system. So it's a backup on set system. So it's a DJI, a lacy DJI little hard drive that has an SD card built in. When you plug that into the drive, you'll find that um, that will back up straight away. So the contents of that card get backed up onto that drive. So if I get card failure, anything goes wrong, I've got the two backups there first of all. Yeah, yeah. So we'll finish the end of the day and the two cards that I've used for that day get put to one side. Okay, um, And if I've got a wedding or something the next day, then I'll use another separate set of cards for that event. Mm-hmm. When I get home, there's three backups that, that are done, essentially. On-site, off-site and cloud-based backup. So the on-site being your hard drive that sits within the room you're working at. Uh, rather than being directly on your computer, it'll sit. It'll sit um, on a, like a hard drive system within your house. Okay, the offsite then would be something that will be done weekly, where you take all the files you've worked on on a week, and they would back up to a bigger hard drive that gets taken offsite. So, for me, uh, that would be. I visit my mother once a week and go to see family and she's got one of my hard drives there uh, and we swap them over once a week. Uh, so so that, if anything goes wrong, you can blame someone else. Yeah. So essentially, <laughs> because years ago when I was designing backups um, and disaster recovery for people, what I found there was a lot of, there was a lot of companies, not just photographers, that uh, had break-ins where things were taken from the house or there'd been a fire in, in, in uh, industrial units, um, and those backups that were on site had gone. Um, and the last type of backup you need to look at is a cloud-based backup. Yeah. So that kind of three-tiered system works because no one single system is infallible on its own. Mm-hmm. The on-site backup is susceptible to uh, theft or damage. The off-site means that you've actually got to physically go and drive somewhere yeah. to get to get your backup. So that can take time, as can the cloud-based backup. Um, and All right, can... so let's just, let's just hold you there just for a second then. Because what I want to make sure we do with this particular one here is some of what we're talking about will be kind of way over people's heads because they don't really they're not really in that kind of world but i guess it's good to know this stuff anyway even if you you know just you just use computers so backing up we know is a way of making sure that if all if all goes wrong you've got duplicate copies of what you you know your pictures and all that kind of stuff that's what we're talking about absolutely right yeah but when you said there your your camera your the particular camera you use has got two memory card slots Mm mm-hmm 
Do you not do, because there's all sorts of options you've got there as well, isn't there? It's not sure. one particular workflow that's the best. It's whatever works for you. Yeah, right exactly. For you. Now, I know that in some cameras, you can get it to say, when I take a picture, write it onto this card, but also put it onto this card. That's, Is that not a system that you would maybe recommend? That's exactly what I was talking about. Sorry, I should perhaps clarify what I was talking about earlier. Because card failure, there is an element of card failure that can happen. Writing pictures to both cards uh, means that if one card fails, you've still got the pictures available on the other card. Yeah. But having the one larger card in there and the one smaller card means that you're not constantly having to carry two spare cards around with you all the time. Yeah. So I worked out for a wedding, I don't use... Uh, anything larger than 128 gig cards okay right that will cover all the shots that i'm likely to take on a wedding um however just to ensure that i don't get card failure i've got a 64 gig in there when it comes to the opportunity for me to swap it out at when the couple are having dinner that's when i'll swap the card over and the one card gets backed up and the other one goes into the camera so i'm with you the, at the very least, I have one full card and two smaller cards. All right. So just before we move on from that particular part, then, so taking it nice and steady here, we've got like we're, we're actually taking the pictures onto the cards. Yeah. Before we get to the bit where you take the cards out and put them into the computer when you get back to your home or wherever it is, just thinking about the talking about the cards type of thing. There's so many different brands, mm. so many different speeds, and all this kind of stuff, which does get a little bit confusing. And so yeah. many different variations in price. What what is that all about? Would you say that it really is a case of you get what you pay for? Absolutely. Or they're pretty good anyway nowadays. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that you just can't scrimp on. Um, it's as essential as you know the type of fuel you put in your car or uh, kind of the tyres you put on the car, really. Um, mm. It is so important. Uh, at the moment, I, I've tried quite a lot of different cards. I'm using the SanDisk cards. They're really reliable. The Extreme Pro ones I found are the best for my particular type of camera because they write at a very high speed. So it allows me to do burst mode photography, where it's writing to the cards quicker. Right. Um, okay. You're looking generally at around anywhere between 90 and 160 megabytes per second. That's the kind of speed you want to be looking for, especially right. if you're doing things like sports or anything where there's movement and you need to capture high speed, you know, so... Yeah. So obviously, if you don't have a, a fast enough card, that's when you get that buffering issues and all that yeah, kind of stuff, right? That's right. It's it's a little bit confusing sometimes because <clears throat> photographers, photography companies, uh, companies like Canon will give you a recommended guide as to how many pictures per second a camera can do, five to six uh, on the Canon five D Mark fours. Uh, some of the mirrorless ones would shoot a lot faster. Um, that really comes down to a number of factors, one of which being the speed that those can be can can write to the card. Right. Um, most cameras have what's called a buffer memory in them anyway, which will take the photographs that you're uh, shooting and it will load them into this really fast type of memory stored within the camera and then feed it onto the cards as fast as the cards 
can physically uh, write to, you know. But I'm sure yeah. you've come along, come a, I'm sure you've come across this yourself, uh, where you, you're taking a burst mode and all of a sudden it'll start to slow down. Instead oh, yeah, of going yeah. click, 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 it's going click, click, <laughs> click. Yeah, I've been there. Click. Yeah. Yeah, that's the buffer in memory inside the camera saying, well, that's it. You've had your, you've had your 10 shots. No yeah. more. You now have to wait for the cards to be written to. So, yeah, so that, that, um, that's a consideration. You're really looking for the weakest point in the link and trying to bring everything up to the same level. You know, you can have the best camera in the world if mm. you're, Card, if you're using cards that are, um, you know, cheap, cheap makes, I'm not going to mention any, but if you're using cheap cards, um, then you're really letting yourself down there. I guess it's a, it's a similar kind of thing, really, then, when you think about it. We go and spend silly amounts of money and get, you know, the best possible <clears throat> lenses with the best possible glass we can get. Mm. And then you can get some folks who don't go and get some filters <laughs> and they'll put a really cheap piece of glass in front of a really big, you know, expensive bit of glass, and it's just yeah. you're not going to carry on that kind of quality, I guess. Are you? Defeats so, the object, really. It defeats yeah. the object. It, it comes down to things like even calibration as well, uh, calibrating your lenses, calibrating your screens. I mean, that's something we can uh, go on to, but again, it is about having the whole part of your workflow meeting the same level and the same criteria really yeah, so, yeah you know yeah. so that's yeah but backing up um really does mean that you have to kind of consider everything from the start when you're taking the pictures right through to delivering the images at the end and mm. storage of those images later on as well Cool. It could so, be a yeah. minefield, but all right. So we've 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 taken the pictures. Then we've done this little backing up thing on site, which you, which is clearly a great thing to have if you're mm. certainly a wedding photographer for that peace of mind, yeah. knowing that you've got extra backups while you're there doing the thing. But then when you come back, you're then going to load your cards in to your main computer system, yeah. right? So. Um, if I, I mean, my, my sort of system is very different to what yours will be and very different mm -hmm. to what anybody else's, I guess. But my kind of way of doing things is I come back, I load them into the computer, which is a, um, a RAID drive. We'll talk about that. We need to get you to clarify mm -hmm. what that is. And then mine get backed up online as well. So nothing is actually held on my computer itself. It's, all, it's on external drives, just in case my computer died. And those external drives are backed up as well. But what would you say then? Let's just say the, the ideal scenario for somebody doing their backing up, they come back home, they've got the cards, and away they go. What would you say would be the ideal workflow and, and kind of lead that into what would be the best system for them? Sure. So you're absolutely right. Really speaking, you should never be storing any pictures on your computer. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people are going to think that's a bit counterintuitive, but there is a reason for that. And the reason is that your computer itself is a working engine. Uh, if you're cluttering it up with a lot more files, it's going to slow down. I'm sh I, 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 I'm pretty sure I know that, you know, over time, people's computers get slower and slower because mm. they're adding more files to it. Think of it being like a library. The more books there are in a library, the longer it takes you to find the one you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the way you have to look at it. That's why you try never to store... Uh, your photographs on the actual computer and if your computer crashes 
or if you, you you know if it breaks there's a potential for you losing all the files stored on that so the first thing when you load your images in from your cards is to load it onto some type of external backup okay um some type of big drive okay now we were talking about raid drives mm -hmm. so the problem that you get when you've got a single drive on its own is the redundancy of it uh, there's no redundancy on it uh, when the if that drive develops a fault and it dies you've got no you've got no backup or really or anything like that so, so for the layman then, what do you mean by redundancy? So by redundancy, I mean if the drive fails, there's there's no other drives, no way of recovering the information off that drive without the help of a professional, someone right, like okay. um, like a data recovery specialist, which can run into hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Mm. Um, you know, it's a very expensive uh, way of trying to get your data back. So years ago, they came up with a system called RAID. Uh, RAID stands for Redundant Array of, in, uh, of Independent Disks. And it's a way of making the computer see four or five disks as one single hard drive. But what it actually does is, uh, RAID runs from about three disks up to as many as uh, 10, 20 or 30 disks. On a typical home system that you're going to see, you're normally going to see anywhere between four and eight disks, okay? So what you do is, for instance, you'd buy four two terabyte hard drives and you and they come within a, a little box called an enclosure. You put all the drives in this enclosure and the way the RAID system works, it's got a special piece of hardware in there and some software that makes the computer think it's one hard drive. But what it's actually doing is taking your <clears throat> taking your uh, photograph and splitting that photograph into four parts. If we call the four parts A, B, C, and D, the first drive will hold uh, A and B, the second drive will hold B and C, the third drive will hold C and D, and the fourth drive will hold D and A. That way, if any of the drives dies, or it just breaks, you can take that drive out, you can replace it with a drive of the same size, and the three remaining drives will rebuild the, the new drive to contain all the data that was missing off the broken drive. So that, that's essentially how RAID works. Having more drives means it rebuilds quicker, mm -hmm. um, but, but that, that's essentially how it works. So the RAID system is designed to split your data up into four, four four parts so four drives would be four parts um, do that it does that all automatically for you yeah it's a little bit more complicated than that but really speaking this is that this is how it works it splits the data up um, and allows it to be spread over the drives so rather than all the data being on one drive it splits the data over all the drives mm. uh, and and then what you're doing is the redundancy of the drives the reliability improves as you add more drives RAID itself comes in a couple of different um, <clears throat> iterations, as it were. Um, there's RAID 0, 1, 5, 10, and it's all really about the different types of configuration of how the drive works, the speed of it. Um, whilst one drive on its own 
isn't particularly fast in reading and writing, having a RAID system means that your system is reading and writing from lots of drives at the same time. So the speeds mm. of that array of drives goes way up. So instead of right. reading and writing at maybe two or 300 megasecond, you're actually reading and writing at two or 3,000 megasecond. So it's, I'm going to try and nick your analogy here then. So it's kind of like having that library, mm. and rather than you looking for your book on your own, you employ 10 mates to say, right, go out there and have a look for it. That's exactly hey, right, yeah. Hey, I just thought that you can use that. You can... <laughs> Absolutely. That's right, yeah. Because drives on their own will only are only able to read and write uh, a certain amount of data yeah. Uh, at any one time. The, the... So, all right, Peter, here's a question then, which is just burning in my head, because obviously now we're at 2020 and mm. technology kind of moves on. And you're talking about drives here and you're talking about the kind of drives that have the disk inside, the moving parts. Yeah. Obviously nowadays we have these things called SSD or solid state drives. That's right, yeah. There are no moving parts. That's so right, yeah. why would we not go for those instead of these moving part bits where things can clearly go wrong? Well, SSDs are relatively new technology, um, although they, the reliability on them initially when they first came out was less than that of a what we call a SATA drive or an older type drive. Um, they're actually a little bit more reliable these days. However, you still have problems with them where if you've got a single drive failure, you're going to lose all the data off that. It's much harder to get data off a solid state drive when they die than, than it is a traditional right. drive with a disk in it. Um, uh, so you can use the SSDs in the same way you would use a SATA drive um, and you would actually find that... that, that um, What's your, a SATA drive? So a SATA drive uh, is a serial ATA drive. So essentially, it's the older type drives with the disks in them uh, SATA refers to the name of the port on the back. Uh, so when you plug them into the, your, your PC or in your hard drives, that's the type of port inside that it uses. Ironically, you know, there's people out there listening yeah. to this now thinking, God, Glyn's thick. How does he not know this? <laughs> I, I just know how to use the camera and the yeah. Photoshop side of things. Yeah, this I, is... Um, people like you, this is why we need people like you. Uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know... Having the, the SSD drives inside the machine will increase the overall speed of the array of five or six drives in there um, so that you can read and write quicker to those drives, which, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure most of uh, your listeners will have been in a situation where you're trying to edit something. Maybe you're going through Lightroom, you click next to go to the next picture and you're waiting for that to... Uh, you know, if you don't have your previews set up as one-to-one. Totally one, yeah, I've totally experienced this before, yeah. Absolutely, and you're waiting there. That is yeah. because of the seek time of the drives. The drives are being asked to go and get the information and then relay it to the computer. That kind of seek time uh, and the read and write time is, is, is what, you know, causes the delay, really. Mm. So, yeah. So that's and obviously the, the faster this stuff is, the mm. faster it can seek stuff, obviously with that comes the price, but yeah. it all boils down to you get what you pay for again. I've tried a lot of different manufacturers. Um, I've tried a lot of different systems over the years. I've been given lots of systems to try and, uh, and test out. And 
uh, I had an IT company for about six years with uh, with my best mate, and um, we used to design backup and disaster recovery systems for big businesses um, where you're not talking perhaps maybe 10 or 20 terabytes, you're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of terabytes mm. of data that has to be backed up every day. Uh, so enterprise level uh, backups uh, are really of the same ilk, uh, of the same type, um, but for photographers, it's about speed rather than necessarily massive file size. Although um, as cameras sort of get more, uh, you know, get uh, as technology moves on, you know, camera file sizes are getting bigger. Yeah, so just absolutely. this year now, uh, just this year, I um, changed my backup system. So I was using a Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Terra stations. Right. So they were RAID 5, which meant I had four drives in them, and they were two terabyte drives. Uh, now, the way the RAID 5 system works is if you put four two terabyte drives in there, you actually get six terabytes of usable space. Because uh, of the four drives, you actually get the maximum amount of space is three out of the four drives, because two of those terabytes are used. Uh, for what's called parity or backup. So um, so you, if you put in uh, four two terabyte drives, you have six terabytes of usable space within these arrays. A certain amount of the space within the array is kept um, for like a, a checking facility to check right. the, the data. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, uh, it, it's quite complicated in the way that it works, but that's essentially how it works so that 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 fourth drive there is basically mm, it's kind of like a little safety net that's right yeah that's your yeah. parity drive so that yeah. does all the error checking to check that the data is uh, accurate and up to date you know so i had cool. that for a while but what i found was um so last year i did 30 weddings um uh, you know which which is wow. which is which is eight less than the year before um, I can't tell you how much of a shiver that gives me. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a wedding guy. I'm oh. not a wedding photographer. I think uh, you've got to be a bit crazy to be a wedding photographer, to be honest. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's why it suits me. I did 38 the year before that. And uh, wow. that was that was too much. My wife loved having all the... Uh, she loved all that, having all the money coming in and everything. But I think she very rarely got to see me. Um, yeah, so yeah. she sort of said, look... You need so she told you she yeah. didn't like that. Yeah, she said you. She said <laughs> you, you need it. Well, she said it in in a nice way. So she sort of said, "Have you ever thought of headshot photography?" <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. So we we agreed to cap it at thirty weddings, uh, which still meant that last year I took just under two hundred thousand pictures. Wow. So yeah. So wow. When I finally hit the six terabyte limit. I needed to upgrade that. And um, I, I went on some training with one of our friends, Peter Hurley. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about changing the the drive systems. And uh, he said to me, oh, you need to try this Synology drive system. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd, you know, I'd heard of Synology, but I'd never used them. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak to this guy. They'll send you out a, a test unit. And um, so they sent me this test unit, and it was incredible. 
worked as fast, if not faster, than my previous units. Uh, it was just, it worked really well. So for the moment, that's what I'm using. Whether or not I'll be using that in the future, who knows? But the Synology system allowed me to have eight drives in there. Wow. And Synology have got their own hybrid form of RAID, which meant that it gave me extra uh, redundancy and reliability, but it also allowed me then to have 20 terabytes of data space. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm about... Now, now I, I have used Synology in the past, mm. uh, but it wasn't a RAID system. It was a NAS, NAS system. Right, yes, no. And I've kind of stopped using it. And maybe now you're going to tell me that I shouldn't have done. No. But the reason I stopped using it was, I mean, it was great, don't get me wrong, but mm. I did find, because of the, and I, maybe I got it set up wrong. I don't know. I'm going to learn a lot here now. That when I would go to get something off that far, off that you know that device, there would always be like a delay, yeah, and then it would do it. Yes, yeah, and that used to really infuriate me. You'd almost hear it starting up. Mm. You'd hear this, and then it would give you the files you wanted. I was yeah. like, I can't be doing with this, so I moved away from it. Sure. What is NAS? So those people out there, what is an NAS or NAS system, and why the hell was that doing that for me? So NAS is a, a network attached storage device. The Synology is my NAS, as it were. Uh, the reason that you probably would have experienced that slowdown is drives like that will send themselves into a uh, power saving mode when you're not using them. So they'll, they'll, you know, it's a bit like on your television when you press the power button and it takes a couple of seconds to come on mm. rather as opposed to you powering it on from start up and you're having to go through the TV turning itself on. The NAS drive uh, is sitting in the background waiting to hear from you. And then you press your mouse, go to access a folder on it, and it'll go, oh, hang on a second. Right, okay, I need it. And it'll boot itself up. So a NAS drive essentially is, a, is a, it can be a RAID system with if it's got more than four or five drives in it, yeah, it is, that yeah. sits on the network. Now, they don't generally plug straight into the computers. They'll sit on your network, so they'll plug into your router where your broadband comes That's in right. in the house. That's yeah. where they'll plug in, and they can sit next to your, next to your, uh, your uh, broadband, um, you know, your Wi-Fi, uh, and, and they'll sit there normally. Now... They are an important part of the system, of the backup system uh, that you have. So for me, for example, I've got two RAID systems within the house. I've got one RAID drive that plugs into the computer. So when I'm editing a wedding, the files get loaded straight onto that. And I only ever keep about two or three projects on there uh, until they're completed. That, because those drives are plugged straight into the computer, they're very, very fast at uh, being able to access them. Uh, okay, so once I've completed the wedding then, and I've done my airbrushing and uh, tidied it. Airbrushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done my airbrushing and I've tidied it all up and cleaned all my pictures up. Uh, they will then get archived across to the big NAS drive. Okay, which is right. not particularly fast at storage, um, but it, but it does contain a lot of files and it makes them very safe. So the smaller drive 
is actually a RAID 1 drive. Now that is a smaller type enclosure that has two hard drives in there. Mm -hmm. One is constantly copying onto the other. So if you've got two one terabyte drives within the enclosure, it will actually only show up as one terabyte. One terabyte. I'm yeah. getting it now. That's it. Yeah. So I'm on it. Uh, so those plug straight into the computer, which means when you're editing your pictures, they're editing. You're editing them very quickly, um, so that you're not getting any delay, like we spoke about before, where you're going through pictures from one to the next, and having that delay waiting for it to uh, buffer the next picture. Moving them then, once you've completed them, the whole gallery gets moved across to your big storage device. You know, and then all my completed photographs get uploaded online to my online backup. So for the moment, I'm using Backblaze. Yeah, uh, so I'm, to, I'm using those. They're fantastic. <clears throat> Amazing. So I'm using Backblaze. Yeah. But I'm, I also, for myself, because I'm a little paranoid and I've sort of seen what can go wrong, um, I my web provider, which is Zenfolio, uh, they they host on my website for the uh, for the wedding side of things. They store all my raw files and the completed JPEGs for that wedding. So I don't bother with any that I haven't edited because they're stored on another drive. But all the the wedding pictures that are completely edited and all the raw files to go with them get stored on Zenfolio's site because we. I've been with them uh, a number of years now. They give me unlimited space, uh, mm -hmm. so I can just upload all of those on there, really. And, and that's that's my three backups. The on-site is the, the network attached storage device, the big brute that has got 20 terabytes in it. The off-site uh, is a drive that comes out of that once a week, and the last year's worth of uh, the last year's worth of um, photographs get backed up onto that and I just swap that once a week when I visit this like a ritual travel to see parents swap over the drives you don't tell them that's why you're going there though do you it's generally for Sunday dinner and to swap the drives <laughs> but, <laughs> but obviously you just yeah, like yeah, to see yeah, them on a regular basis and you just happen to have this with you absolutely but while I'm here yeah. we'll just swap this over yeah, as well absolutely but yeah, the whole yeah. point is external can mean doesn't offset. You don't take your washing as well, do you? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Grown out of that. Yeah, yeah. My wife does that for me now. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jen, that, if you're that, listening, leave that with you. Jen, if you're listening, I'll get the washing in later. <laughs> Rowing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, offsite doesn't necessarily have to mean in another location. It could be in the shed. In the garden or something like that. Now, one thing I've just suddenly thought of. You've said, obviously, you've got that drive, that two terabyte drive, which gives you one terabyte of storage because yeah. it's RAID 1. RAID 1, that's right, yeah. Ah, get in there, right? So that's your main one. And then that eventually gets all backed up onto the big beast of a machine that you've got. Sure. Now, is that something that you do manually or have you got some software that will do that for you to keep that one always mm. topped up with the latest stuff? So I do that manually. For the, only for the simple reason that I know it's almost like part of my workflow. Once I've finished a gallery, they get uploaded online and I drag the folder across and I just leave that back itself up then. So yeah, the reason I do it manually, I could, I could do it, um, I could, um, I could synchronize it. Uh, and there's a piece of good piece of software that, that I've used in the past called Chronosync. 
That's the one I was using. Yeah, yeah. which is brilliant. I do love Chronosync, but I like to be in control of what I'm sending across. Um, that way, I'm only backing up the things that I'm going to save. One of the things I found when I started doing lots and lots of weddings was that you end up with lots of pictures that you're just going to throw away. You know, mm. you're, you're waiting for you're waiting for something to happen. A good photographer knows when to kind of wait for the moment. Uh, what I found is that when I'm people are coming with me to learn about uh, weddings uh, and wedding photography, they'll be very, very quick to just take loads of pictures of everything. And they'll end up with, you know, a couple of thousand pictures um, at the end of the day. You know, okay, that just gives me the thousands and does. thousands. You know, and as as I as I go on uh, over the years of being a wedding photographer, um, I'm finding that I'm taking less and less now uh, because when I first started, I think I was taking an average of about three thousand pictures in a wedding. <laughs> Now, if I take a thousand pictures, it's considered uh, snap happy Pete. So, uh, yeah, oh, that's pretty. That's a heck of a drop, though, isn't it? I suppose mm. that now, because you, you kind of know how you operate, you know how to anticipate what's happening. Mm. Just that experience again. You can't, you can't buy experience, can you? Really? Yeah. I worked out the other day. I've shot over a hundred weddings now, and um, uh, just. The... I've got to ask you because Go you know regular listeners will know that I'm. I just, ugh, when it comes to wedding photography, <laughs> you know, horses for courses, I'm only really joking. It's just so, not yeah, my yeah. thing. Why did you start? I mean, yeah, why did you start doing weddings? So um, I'd always taken pictures since I was a kid. Uh, I started out with one of those, uh, remember one of those 110 cameras with a little, with the old film in it that looked like a cassette reel? So it had film in it. I, yeah, mate, yeah. If cameras didn't weren't digital, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I, the only film camera I ever had was when I was a kid, mm. and you'd get like this little cartridge you'd just plonk in the back, and I think it took 24 exposures. Yeah. And then you can go and do the one-hour turnaround at Boots. True when, print. You, when you looked at them all, you yeah. have two pictures out of 24 that were. That's right. Yeah. So I'd always had an interest in photography, um, and I had a friend that was getting married, and I just finished. I, I sold my IT company. A couple of years ago, uh, well, about ten years ago now, um, I just decided that I wanted more time with family, and um, I was working a lot of hours with you know with the IT, uh, and just decided that I that I wanted to do something different and picked up my cameras again, um, went out and bought my first uh, digital camera, which is a Canon forty D. Uh, so yeah, the first camera was a forty D, and um, I had a friend said, uh, oh, I'm trying to find a wedding photographer. You know a bit about technology and cameras. Can you help me find a wedding photographer? And I said, well, I'll do it for you. I said, uh, you know, I'll do it for you. I said, I'm, I'm not particularly any good. I said, but I'll, I'll give it a try. You know, I said, um, and, and let's see, see what you get. I know that they were going to do it on a budget. So I said, look, I can't promise anything great, um, but I'll have a go. And in that, sort of six months before they were married I literally read everything that I could on um, on wedding photography uh, I, I was just had my head in wedding photography books went on a couple of training courses as well so just to try and soak in as much as much as yeah. I could um, and I and I used to go down the local church 
near, nearby to me on a Saturday morning. They'd have people there, uh, you know, getting married. And I'd yeah. literally stand outside and I'd be, take a couple of pictures, from, you know, and um, I, then I'd sort of show them to friends and, and they'd sort of say, oh, yeah, no, you need to change this. You need to change that. And um, I really started getting better when um, I joined um, the Guild of Photographers, which is ironically where we met. And um, I had started getting a lot of critique and uh, got better that way. Um, wedding photography for me is possibly one of the best things that I can do with, with what I know. Um, because there's no better uh, there's no better way of, of, of kind of being able to capture someone's the potentially the best day of someone's life mm. you know than being able to get great pictures and um, you need to have a wedding photographer that's a little bit nuts but also very enthusiastic and um, <laughs> I think that that's that's what I bring to the table well, so you're describing yourself there yeah, yeah. But highly possibly <laughs> but yeah so that that's what it's about. I shoot every right. wedding um, as if it was my own. What mm. would I want to see there, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the type of pictures that I'd want. When I first started out, someone said to me, never try to anticipate the type of pictures you think other people are going to like, because you'll always get it wrong. What you should do is go and shoot what you love and just show that. And mm. then only the people who love what you do will want to book you and you'll never have to change your style for anyone that that makes complete sense to me mm. as somebody who isn't a wedding photographer because if you're kind of almost trying to prejudge what people are going to like that mm. means you're taking pictures that maybe aren't necessarily what you would naturally take yeah so it's not going to show you to your full potential absolutely and you, you're just going to know that that's not really what you do that and then all yeah. of a sudden it changes when you go no i tell you what i'm only going to do what i want to do yeah it, that was a turning point for me um, mm. because it meant that I was concentrating on what I thought was going to make a great picture. And it's mm. about a narrative, really. You know, uh, that's why if we're shooting a wedding, we're there all day. There's no point in being there for two hours for the ceremony. I'm an all or nothing type of guy. So <laughs> we have one uh, wedding, we have, we have a second shooter. And one goes to the bride and one goes to the groom. Uh, and when, when I got married, um, my wife and I had been together for about uh, nine years. We've been married five years now. And uh, we, hadn't, we had kids together. So we didn't really have enough money to hire two photographers. And um, when we got married, we, having only the one photographer meant... I had some beautiful pictures of my wife and my kids, but none of my dad or, you know, and, and my dad's 80 this year. And I look back on that as, you know, I, I was I'm really disappointed that, that I didn't mm. get those photographs. Mm. So I see myself there really to advise people, look, regardless of who you choose as your wedding photographer, you need to have two photographers. You've got to do it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise you're just getting one half of a story. It feels like an incomplete jigsaw puzzle, you know. And mm -hmm. um, that that's what's important. Is you know, our wedding photographer, me and I have been married 20 years now. It's 21 wow. years this, this coming May. 
And when we got married, I mean, yeah, money was very different then. Mm. And we, we, we kind of, I think the wedding photographer we got, we found him in the paper and he actually was an architectural photographer. Not that we really kind of knew that, but he was kind of doing wedding photography on the side. Now, when it came to doing the uh, sitting and meeting him and talking about the wedding, he was more excited about the venue than actually us getting married, you know, yeah. what I mean? and that showed in the pictures because when it came to the photography, when when we eventually, you know, we were married and we were waiting for the pictures, all excited for them, he mm. kind of showed us a few of them, and the it was just hilarious. <laughs> the pictures, they're all square format, beautiful architectural pictures of the castle where we got married, and then in the bottom right hand corner, you could just about make me and Anna. This guy had filled his, you know, really filled his boots, thinking, "Yes, I'm photographing a castle." And it, eventually, it came to it that when we're thinking, "Well, we're going to have to order some," and uh, you know, get some pictures to put an album, and we came home the one day and through the letterbox, he'd put every single picture. He just wasn't bothered. He just gave them all to us and didn't. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, all right, okay, yeah, yeah. really weird. But, I mean, we kind of look back that look about now and laugh, but because um, oh. I had this really weird goatee beard thing, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> you know I mean, if I had a digi- if I had the digital files of these pictures, wedding pictures, I'd be taking that off. My wife but. said to me to shower, shave, and turn up. So I think two out of three wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. listen, we we will get you back on. I want to talk more about this, you know, this wedding stuff because I don't mm. think we've really dedicated it to the uh, an episode two the whole package of when it comes to shooting the wedding sort of thing. But it actually, and even if we have, trying to think back now, two years we've been doing this. Uh, if we have, it's always good to have a different opinion on Absolutely, it anyway. Because, yeah. you know, very different people. But just very, very quickly rewinding, this, uh, obviously, talking about backups is is the, the main reason I wanted to grab you today. Mm. There's other stuff I want to talk to you about in the future. Sure. About calibration, Mac v Windows. Oh, that'll be a tasty <laughs> episode. I, know, I just know yeah. that will. But yeah. All this stuff, it, there is so much to it. It's a potential mm. kind of minefield there, and it can take a lot to soak in. Is there somewhere that folks can go? I know the answer. Yay. Is there somewhere folks can go to that they can get this information from you to kind of start to understand what they really should be doing? And I mean that really sure. seriously, what you should definitely be doing because you do not want to lose your stuff. It is a minefield. You're absolutely right. And looking at... Backup is one part of this. I know we've only had a brief sort of hour or so to talk about this today, but you're right. Calibration is another part of it. Backups, when you start looking at printing and things like that as well, that's another minefield. Mate, mate, I am sorted with the printing. I am loving it. Loving it. Absolutely. I print at home as well, and and I found that was a a real stumbling block for me. Uh, Getting past that meant that that I do a lot more printing now at home than I would... um, so yes, essentially, if anybody would like to get some more information, or if you if you're just really struggling out there, because I see so many photographers producing great images, and then they'll go and show it to somebody else, and it'll be a different color on somebody else's screen, or they'll yeah, go yeah. they'll go printing a wedding dress, and it comes out Asda's green or Tesco's blue, and um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know so so yes absolutely if, if anybody would like to get some more information then uh, we'll do our best to try and point you on the right path one of the things that we're going to do for your listeners today is if they go to the website which is www.tech4togs that's f-o-r togs not the number four uh, tech4togs.co.uk um, and they can hit the subscribe button there's a little bit they can put their email address in there 
and they can subscribe. Um, that will give them, it, it will send them an email which allows them to download a he shoots, he draws uh, informational leaflet on some of the things that we've talked about today. So it, it's a start really. It's the place where you start looking at your backup and your workflow and things like that. And they can drop us an email if they'd like to info at techphotogs.co.uk. Um, online, if they'd like to see uh, what uh, a Welsh wedding photographer does, they can find me. I am at MJ Photo Info. And uh, on Instagram on for Tech Photogs, we are at Tech Photogs. So, yeah, so there's a lot of information there. Um, like I said, it, it is a bit of a minefield and um, lots of people, rather than starting to tackle this, will avoid it completely. Um, yeah. But it, it does it does mean that sooner or later, the chances of something go wrong exponentially increase. Uh, well, this is one of the exact funny you should say that because I always remember one of the things when it comes to backing up. One thing I always remember being told was when it comes to hard drives, they're they're either in one of two states, failing <laughs> or failed. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? <laughs> so always make sure that you've got your backup workflow there in place for uh, those moments when they will fail. Absolutely, and and um, I've seen what happens to businesses that have got failed backups. Because if you consider, can you imagine uh, losing someone's wedding photographs? I just, I can't. Just, I just, the yeah. responsibility of that is just a nightmare. It, it, you know, they say actors have dreams about going on stage naked. Wedding photographers have dreams of losing someone's prized wedding pictures. Dreams, also nightmares. Yes, nightmares, absolutely yeah. nightmares. God, I forgot it was. I, I, I did actually speak to somebody. Somebody rang me up about three or four years ago now, and this is somebody who'd done a wedding on their own, and they were asking me how could I help them to recover some files mm. and stuff like that. And I, you know, if I'd have thought of you, I'd have been straight on the phone. But every time he showed me, he opened a file up. It was really weird. The bottom half of the file was normal. The top half was all technicolor and weird. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, that, that's no backup. Yeah, no backup. Yeah, that's not good. That that happens when those files corrupt. So that, mm. that's a corrupted file. That's, that's what Which happens. means that's it. That's Yeah, there's oh, no, God. no way of I never did those. hear back. Yeah. So, yeah. He's oh, retired. He's, he's gone back to be, uh, being an architect. Yeah. <laughs> cool well listen we're going to grab Pete I want to say thank you for getting on this obviously I've wanted to get you on this for quite a while now and even today when we've planned it all up you're, you're suffering with the dreaded man flu yeah, only yeah. men will know how bad that is <coughs> absolutely you know, but, but you're still there you're battling through yeah. good on you and you see so you, you are now you're in Austin. I don't know if you know Austin Cleon. Yes, yeah, yes, Amazing. yeah, yeah. Right, you are now Austin Cleon status because he battled <laughs> through the man flu as well. Yeah, I so, felt like an extra from The Walking Dead this morning, but I'm okay. <laughs> so we're, but I'm it is, okay. it is really, really. I'm, I'm chuffed to bits, mate. I'm, glad, I'm so glad we're mates anyway. But it's just brilliant that you're, you're happy to come on and do this for. Thank us. you so much for uh, having me on the show. Not at all. We'll definitely, definitely be getting you back. Brilliant that's for sure. Nice Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by Westcott, a worldwide leader in lighting and light modifiers. Have you seen the new FJ400 strobe? This 400 watt second strobe is an ACDC strobe that has the fastest recycle time among any 400 watt second strobes at just 0.9 seconds at full power. 
With its faster cycle time, color consistency, and unique features, you can see why photographers are completely overhauling their lighting systems in favor of the FJ400. Pair this strobe with the first ever universal trigger for complete control using the same trigger across Canon, Sony, Nikon, Fuji, Panasonic, and Olympus camera systems. Yes, it really is a game changer. Come see the FJ400 at the Photography Show in Birmingham, March 14 through 17. For more information on the FJ400, visit fjwestcott.com backslash FJ400.